Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass, the Biomass, the Biomass, <laughs> it's the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I'm Jay Warmke. And I'm Annie Warmke. You are. And today we're going to talk about the fact that we are, that the age of fossil fuels <laughs> is over. Jay, stay here with me. I know. Stay. Focus. Or the second title is It's the End of the World as We Know It. And I feel fine. I feel There's fine. There's a song in there. I know somewhere. it's like a YouTube song. YouTube. YouTube. Wow. Sign song. Um, or REM. <laughs> REM. I'm, I'm worried about you. I got to focus. All right. So um, <laughs> I wanted to first talk about that. That basically what we're dealing with here is the fact that we're undergoing a huge change in our society. I mean, worldwide. And because we're so close to it we're we're just not aware of it what you mean um, we're you and i are so the, close? all of us it's, it's yeah, sort of so like the it's analogy happening over here but other well, things happening over here the analogy i think of is let's say a hundred years ago as the world was transitioning from the horse and buggy era to the automobile people living through that period of time might be aware that automobiles exist but they're not aware that this is a transformation Oh, they okay. they think, okay, mm -hmm. well, the rich guy down the street bought a car, but it's loud and it's noisy and it keeps breaking down. I've only seen one. There's no infrastructure. It's not going to happen. But a hundred years later, we can look at it and say that was an, a monumental change. And that led to all of these other things that came after. Like a ripple effect. So we're in, we are in the post-fossil fuel age. We are in the age of renewable energy, but most people just simply are not aware of it because they're close to it. They're not, they're not except. So, so just. I, I'm going to disagree. Are, I don't think they're close to it. I don't think no, they care. They don't pay attention. They just want to turn the switch on and make it happen. They don't want to consider mm -hmm. what it costs anybody, including themselves. All right. Well, let's not talk about how um, annoying human beings can be. Uh, so let me talk a little bit about uh, the, the fossil fuel economy. So um, most of us think about, I mean, it's, it's a common thing where you believe that the world is the way it is and has always been this way. But the world that we live in, uh, the fossil fuel economy, is a relatively new phenomenon. Um, it, it really began uh, at, in something that we would recognize with the Industrial Revolution, which is only 100 or so years ago. And we've discussed this before, like your grandfather, my grandfather, they were born at the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. So, so it's my only- My grandfather was born in 1865. Yeah, and my grandfather was like 1879, something like yeah. that. So, so it's only a couple of generations, yet we feel like it's been this way. And really, the, the modern fossil fuel economy has only been a post-World War II fossil economy, uh, fossil fuel economy. So um, many of us have heard of peak oil, Hubbard's, Pika Oil, M. King Hubbard, who was a shell um, geologist who first discussed the idea that the world may run out of oil. And which, this was in the 50s? Yeah, in the 1950s, he talked about how the United States might run out of oil. And he actually projected pretty close to this, the right year and the right date um, that we would hit peak oil 
right around 1970. And, and it's important to understand peak oil is not you're out of oil. Peak oil is that is the moment when you're producing the most oil that's ever going to be produced. And from that point on, it goes downhill. So, so it's, it's, so it's a curve. Killed him? Yeah. Well, they almost <laughs> fired him. Um, he, he was considered, you know, I, a crazy did this man. at a conference or something where there were a lot of right. people and, and they were saying, yeah, okay, that's crazy. But the problem is that he was right. So then later in the 1970s, he came back and he said, okay, the world will run out of oil. And he projected somewhere around 2003, somewhere in that run range. Run out of oil well, or peak hit oil? Peak, hit peak. Okay. And then begin to run out. And there's a lot of implications when you begin to run out. One is the fact that if there is a very small disconnect between supply and demand, then you will begin to see escalating prices. So if you have a 3% disconnect between supply and demand, 3% more demand than supply, the price of oil will double. So it doesn't take a lot of changes there to, to um, result in really big increases in price. So if the price, if the supply is declining by 3% every year, you would expect the price to double every year which becomes well, we did see this in the 70s when we've, gasoline went from 19 cents a gallon to two dollars right and we've seen it periodically but what typically tends to happen is people find other alternatives and and that's something we'll discuss well it took us a while so i would argue <laughs> i would argue that right around 2010 the world hit peak oil we are now in the post peak oil we're right. in the decline um, you may get temporary increases in production, but the general the general trend will be downward. And so how, downward. how does this apply to other fossil fuels like well, coal and natural gas? Yeah, well, coal, we hit peak oil or peak coal in either 1974 or, or 1998, depending on how you want to measure well, it. Well, what kind of coal? I yeah, mean, if 98? You're, if you're talking about in 74, we hit peak for energy content within coal. There's like different flavors so the amount, of coal. The amount of the best coal yeah, producing the highest There's anthracite, there's bitumen, there's uh -huh. subbitumen, there's ligite. Uh -huh. so, so anthracite, all of that gets used up first. So, but in terms of volume of production, 1998. So we're well past peak coal. And the reason coal mines are shutting down is because first off, we've, we've used up a lot of it but also the cost of getting the remaining coal out of the ground is just too expensive uh, compared to alternatives. We've, with peak natural gas, um, natural gas, we had what was referred, you know, people talked about the fracking boom and all of that. The reality is that was a, an, a they call it a enhanced extraction technique. Um, I would call it a technology of desperation. When you get into that mode, you can extend the life of an industry by about 18 months, but then you see that decline. That's continue. such a bizarre, that is only about money. Oh, yeah. It is never about what benefits anybody but those shareholders well, and we, the owners. We saw it with coal as it became more expensive and too expensive to mine it. Then you start getting into Blowing strip mining. Mountains. Then you do mountaintop removal. And then you close up shop and you blame Obama. You know, that's the way you do it. Well, so, that guy was guilty of everything. Oh, yeah. I, I blame Obama for a lot. Okay, good. Um, nuclear energy is dead. 
you know, I it's, don't know. it's still there. Man, they're subsidizing it like crazy. Oh, well, yeah, of course. But that's just because of their lobbying. But really, since the mid-1970s, we haven't had any nuclear power plants built in the United States to speak of. There's been a couple of reactors built. Um, worldwide, really, the only places putting in nuclear power are, are dictatorships. Like France um, is not a dictatorship, well, dicta but they love it. They there. have a lot of nuclear, but they aren't building new nuclear. Uh -huh. So, so we're seeing nuclear and their main reason is it's just too expensive compared to the alternatives. Well, also if something goes wrong, everybody dies, including animals, insects, okay. and the soil. That's just collateral damage. Uh, no, we okay. don't worry about that kind of thing. So, so <laughs> what do. does, so we're seeing this industry. Okay. This, this, um, uh, history of fossil fuels, which again, as I mentioned, is only in the last hundred years or so. It is going away. Jobs are going away. Ways of life are going away, all because of simple economics. But what does the media do? What do people do? They they give you this fear message, you know. Okay, so I want to say that I just saw headlines at Farm and Dairy, which is you know not progressive in its okay. thinking, and it says that the state of Ohio this, maybe it was last week or the week before, has now designated natural gas as green energy. And I thought that had already happened, <laughs> but it, it, it says, not? you know, like in, you look at California where every new build has to be solar or some renewable energy. And then if you go around saying that gas is renewable energy, which a lot of places have tried to make that. It's the, just simply lobbying. And well, well there's always a pushback. Funny. They're making it happen. Well, yeah, but it doesn't matter because it's going away. It's too expensive. Um, there, there's always going to be a pushback as these changes, you know, when you talk about silliness. Um, apparently, there were recently a number of whales that were washed up on the uh, beaches uh, up near New York. And so what they've decided or what the people are running around saying is, see, this is what happens when you build wind turbines offshore. Oh. Like somehow the whales are being killed by wind turbines and there really aren't any wind turbines offshore up in that area. Anyway, they're just beginning the permitting process. So, and, and there was evidence that the whales were hit by boats, but it doesn't matter. I mean, you use, you use the anything. Climate change could draw them off oh, course. Sure, I mean, whatever. Th that's happening a lot. So we're told to be afraid. We're told, and but I like very, the quote. Wait, wait, very, very afraid. afraid. Right, right, right. So, but the quote that I always love um, from, from Winston Churchill is he says, Americans will always do the right thing, but only after they've exhausted every alternative. So we've exhausted the alternatives now. Which is gas. Oil, all the fossil now. fuels. Now we're moving into the age of renewables. But wait, this is way too positive. <laughs> wait, too, wait. Way too positive. Okay, what it's are gonna you be doing positive. here? What are you doing here? It, this is a positive message because... Okay. Because we're oftentimes told that, you know, these things, I, I think there's there's a certain um, comfort in, in a lot of folks in feeling that the world is on the edge of, of disaster. Well, I think we I learned think, from infancy, really, to be scared of everything. Insects, well, but there's, people. A, there's a comfort there where you can then blame things. You know, you can blame others. I also think that as people get older, they tend to believe that the world is coming to an end because well, they're coming is. to an end. <laughs> and and it's hard to imagine the world exists beyond me. 
Seriously? So therefore, oh, therefore, I'm, I'm saying me, so me. Ni- I know yeah, it, but that but, seems so No, but it's outrageous. true. That's why we have these Armageddon things every, every generation. You know, people say the world can't exist without me. I'm clearly dying. Wow. So therefore the world is going to end and yet the world continues on. So anyway, so let's not bog down in that. But what we're getting to <laughs> is the, the fact that we are truly, truly, truly entering into the world, uh, the age of renewable energy. And the thing I like to stress on this is we're moving into this world, not because we're suddenly all good people who are trying to save the planet. Yeah. It is pure simple economics. Absolutely. It is in our self-interest. And we always like well, to say you will be mine. Great. No. It's somebody else's that's no, making it's all everybody. the money. It's, it's society's self-interest is that the things that are the most economically viable today, the technology of energy that is the most economically viable also happens to be the technology that is the best for the planet, which is great. I mean, that's all good. It, it's like if if you want to create a new power plant today, just as an example, I just saw a study by Duke Energy out of North Carolina. They found that to continue to operate a coal power plant, an existing coal power plant, costs twice as much as to build a brand new solar array. So Meaning just a commercial the, big industrial. Yeah, utility scale. Mm-hmm. So just to maintain it and buy the fuel is twice the cost of building a brand new power plant, which is solar, which is non-polluting. That is the reason well, why these coal power plants are being shut down and a lot of solar is being installed. Pure, simple, greedy, selfish, self-interest. Right. But I just want to make this point as a disclaimer before you do the station ID, and that is that it is not without its pollution. It is not without extraction. There you go. You find comfort in disaster. I do not. I want to be (laughs) honest about the true cost of all of it. Good enough. Well, you are listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke, reminding you it is indeed the end of the world as we know it. And thank God. Thank God. Okay, so I'm going to try and get through the renewables without Annie telling me um, that there are problems associated with this. Because there are. But <laughs> Thank you. I wish Write that to, on the calendar. I'm right. Oh, my God. I'm right. So, so what we find with renewable energy, and I've been going out touting Jay's Law, like Moore's Law, for a long time. About we don't know Moore's Law. Moore's Law is uh, the guy who used to start it up Intel said that the technology of microprocessing will, the capacity will double every 18 months and the price will be cut in half. And it became a big deal and everybody looked at it and computers got better and better and cheaper and cheaper. Well, mine is that the price of renewable energy historically seems to cut in half every three years. The cost of fossil fuel continues to escalate. So when at some point you meet, which is referred to typically as grid parity, um, things begin to change. And they change in a dramatic way because the economics are now in favor of renewables. So we saw this happen in 2007 with utility scale wind, where at that point it became as cheap to build a wind turbine as to use existing fossil fuel. So we began to see fossil fuel or wind turbines. Is that what you mean by crossing? 
yeah, the price becomes the price point crosses. And then every minute that goes on from that point, renewables gets cheaper in comparison to fossil fuel. So as time goes on, that gap gets wider and, and wider all the people go to that side of the ship then. There you go. Well, not yet, but they're getting there. So so we saw that 2007 with wind, and that's why you began seeing wind turbines. Then in 2012, it happened with solar. And we began to see solar prices getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper compared. Just to give you an example of how dramatically the price of solar has gone down over the years, in 1976, when I graduated from high school, spirit of 76. It was a famous year. Uh, yeah, it was. We um, saw the price of solar was about $100 a watt. So what does that mean? If you had a 100-watt solar panel, it would cost wholesale about $10,000. Well, that's that's just not affordable. And and the only people who could afford it were like NASA, Exxon, some of those companies. Jimmy Carter. Uh, no, put he put solar House. thermal. That oh, was that I thought was he put panels. No. All right. So then in 2022, um, today or close to today, the price had fallen to about 25 cents a watt. So that same 100-watt panel that cost $10,000 in 76 now costs $25. So, so that is one of the, the reasons game changer. why. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. So in, um, in 2008, the electric generation on the grid was about 50% coal. You know, about half of all power was, was coal. 22% was natural gas, 19% nuclear and 6% hydro. And all of the wind, solar, geothermal, all those others accounted for about 2%. So that basically, other than hydro, renewables was almost non-existent. Uh, that's only, um, what, 14, 15 years ago. Um, hydro has been around. Hydro was the well, original electricity in Niagara Falls. For, but even before all. that. Well, around World War II, hydro accounted for more than 50% of all of the electricity generated in the country. It didn't change a lot. It hasn't changed a lot. It's just changed in percentages because other power plants became more dominant, coal, natural gas specifically. So fast forward 10 years, and we begin to see that coal has diminished a lot. Well, the reason is, is the price. Um, and uh, so it went from 48% down to 21 but the big news under that decade was that natural gas became the go-to for um, power companies. So natural gas went from 22 to 44. So basically, when when coal declined, they replaced it with natural gas. Yeah, they billions of dollars invested in something that we all were saying, "Hey, why are you doing that?" Right. Well, because the guys, the guys who run it, they're they're running it and they're looking at it and going, "You know what? Coal's getting more expensive, but I can just transition over to natural gas and and run the thing the same way as I've I'm always just, run it." I'm so amazed they don't ever look into the future. I know no. back in. Oh, 2006 or maybe 2007, we went to our uh, electric co-op annual whatever, and they had a, had a, a what do they call that there? Uh, it was a overhead projector. Overhead projector. So this yeah. is, you know, a computer, but they weren't <laughs> using it anyway. And they were looking at projecting out what they were going to do. And they went through all some of the things you're talking about. And then they said, I think you even asked a question about, about solar. And they went, 
That's oh, nothing. Forget it. And yeah. we got up and laughed because that was so frustrating. Yeah. And the hot dogs weren't any good. So, well, <laughs> you ate a hot dog there. No. Oh my okay. God. So, nuclear during the same period went from 19% to 9%. So, we're beginning to see the decline of nuclear, the elevation of natural gas, the decline of coal, hydro pretty much re remained the same, but wind up to eight and a half percent, solar now up to about 4%. All right. So, that decade from 2008 to 2018 really was the beginnings of the the visual of the, the, the decline of nuclear and the dominance of natural gas with some growth within wind and solar. Well, natural gas being the transition, right? The transition. Well, drug. today, um, that so if we look at 2022 as more recently, and I would say from 2018 to 2022, we really have seen that go to, fuel sources for the electrical grid has really come down to wind, solar, and natural gas. Um, nuclear, dead. They're not building any new no, ones. There's talk making, about it every so often. There's talk about for it. The yeah, yeah, cleanup yeah. But it's theory. not going to happen because it costs two, three, four, five, ten times as much as all the alternatives. It's just not. People are going to get money from the government and they're going to pretend like it's going to happen, but it's not going to happen. Um, the the analogy I like to think of with natural gas or with nuclear is a nuclear power plant is like riding on the back of the tiger. You know, it, you can't get off yeah. because the cost of building a new nuclear power plant might be a billion dollars. The cost of decommissioning it and right. fixing it is like $2 billion. Well, so it, they it just doesn't keep, happen. It's so not, there's lots of problems with that. No. Um, so anyway, so we see about a third, a third, a third. So in fact, in 2022, solar was 40%. Wind was 34% of all of the new generation created and natural gas, 26%. So three quarters of everything in 2022, renewable energy. Yeah. That's all good. So, 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 but here's the thing, <laughs> here's where, the thing. where are we going? Because okay, I want, I want the hopeful part. All right. I'm Just getting give there. It, give no, me the hopeful. I mean, the hopeful part is we've seen this transition over the last 10 years where natural gas was a thing. Those of us in the industry, the renewable energy industry say natural gas is still a big problem. As you're saying, they've got a lot of clout and now they're trying to pretend because everybody says renewable energy is good. All the public so opinion. Let's polls, so let's rebrand. Let's yeah. pretend like we're like, we're good. It's a bit of greenwashing, but the very hopeful thing, is the Federal Energy um, uh, Regulatory Commission called FERC that oversees all of these permittings and everything. They've recently put out um, their estimations for the next three years. And this is based on utility permitting requests. So it takes oh, that so. much time for these things mm -hmm. to get built. But it's cold, hard facts. That's, right, right, yeah. right. Well, when we look at that, here's what's coming in the next three years. Solar will account for around 64% of all of the new electrical generation at the utility scale. This doesn't even count for all the people putting solar on their homes, on, home. mm -hmm. on the commercial businesses, things like that. 64% will be solar, 21% will be wind, and 10% will be natural gas. So now, and then 4% hydro, coal, zero, nuclear, zero. So we're looking at over the next three years, we're transitioning to a 90% renewable energy for
for the new stuff. Now we still have the embedded base. All of those things are getting older. All of them are phasing out, but we are really quickly, rapidly transitioning. Uh, the analogy I like to think about is like with, with cellular telephones, um, with the new adoption of technology, I remember I was in the telecommunications industry when cellular phones came around. And of course, the only thing we ever knew is cell phones would never be a thing. They're not um, technologically um, suitable. They're compared to line, landlines. Well, in, in 1983, 0% of the population basically had cell phones. By 2004, 69% of the population had mobile telephones uh, like the one that just alarmed us. And, um, and uh, 86% by 2022 have mobile phones. So in, in one generation, basically, we went from a communication system that had existed since the days of Alexander Graham Bell to something that does not remotely is not remotely recognizable as no. that old telecommunication no. system. Well, we're underneath that same process for the electrical grid right now. We're in that beginning phase, a little bit beyond the begin. Um, but with, with new technology, by the time technology reaches 1% of the um, embedded base, it has doubled half of the times it needs to double to become the dominant technology. So, so there's no stopping it. it. There's no stopping it. So and a good example. Is that a good thing? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we're moving towards renewables. So yeah, we're getting rid of some of that, um, some of that pollution. Now, yeah. electric vehicles are another example of this. Electric vehicles are at that one or 2% place. But all of the automobile manufacturers have announced that by 2040, and many of them are now moving it up to 2030, 2025. Uh, 2035, I mean, um, that they will have their entire fleet will be electric by 2035. Um, uh, Maryland just passed a law by 2035, no electric, uh, no gasoline engine vehicles will be sold in Maryland. California already has that law. So we're beginning to see that the transportation industry is becoming fully electric. If that electricity is generated through renewable energy sources, which we are transitioning to, then they become essentially non-polluting. Not again from the construction. I know, and the but waste wait a minute. Wait a minute. The thing is, stuff. all my brain just immediately goes to where's all that energy going to come to? Because it's basically come from because all those cars and all those trucks and all those other things being recharged, and also when people can run anything they yeah. want for free. You know sure. what? What's going to happen? How will we behave? Will we behave like responsibly? Like we're drunk at a bar, no, for frat free. boys at an open bar. That's you know, right. That's, that's the way it's going to be. But if you wait, say, where is the energy coming from? Well, studies by NASA have shown that um, the uh, energy, the amount of sunlight that hits the planet Earth, um, is all of the energy that's ever existed in the form of fossil fuels, right? From the dawn in of time. One day is equal. Three days. Three oh, days three of days. sunlight. So so by we have consumed half of all the fossil fuels on this planet that have ever existed. Took millions and millions of years to produce. We've done that, but that's the day and a half equivalent of, of sunlight. So the energy is abundant. Of all the things on this planet, uh, the energy is the only thing that comes to us from off of this planet. 
So it is an almost unlimited source. Now that doesn't mean we've seen almost unlimited sources in the past that we've managed to use up, but we are moving towards that day when energy is free. And the other thing that runs out is time. It's time. It's time. So <laughs> you have been listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. We want to thank our almost unlimited Emmy award-winning producer, Adam Rich, and we want to thank you for spending just a little bit of time with us. And as your grandmother hopefully told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is... Play nice with others, clean up your own mess, and eat your veggies. Till next time. Bye-bye. You can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at blurockstation.com. Blue